From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Hemorrhoids are a common problem that will affect nearly three out of four adults, sometimes without symptoms, but sometimes with itching, discomfort, and bleeding. Here to talk about how to deal with hemorrhoids is Dr. Jeffrey Albright, a colon and rectal surgeon at Upstate. Welcome, Dr. Albright. Thank you for having me. Let's start by explaining what uh, hemorrhoids are. Well, uh, hemorrhoids are really just a normal part of our anatomy. Um, this is what I typically describe to patients as they're collections of blood vessels that basically swell up and give us a, a better seal down there at our bottom. Um, there's two types. There's internal hemorrhoids and external hemorrhoids. And the external ones are the ones that if people feel like they've got skin tags on the outside that they can feel those. Often they get bigger you know, with pregnancy or just over the course of time. They tend to cause the symptoms of itching, burning, difficulty cleaning. Internal hemorrhoids are covered by a thinner lining. They can essentially cause uh, bleeding, which is a fairly common symptom that people can experience with it, usually fresh bleeding. Um, and otherwise, if they get big enough, they can actually come out from the inside and, and uh, cause discomfort in that way as well. So is there any difference between internal and external other than their location? Uh, Primarily, the biggest difference is uh, what covers the surface of them, or what covers them on their surface. So skin for the outside ones versus the thinner lining for the inside ones. And because of that difference, it, it alters the type of symptoms that people experience with them. So you touched on, um, it, do we know what causes these? Probably over the course of time, what happens, it, uh, most commonly what I see with people is that they... Um, for women, they, a lot of times they'll get bigger with pregnancy, and so they'll cause symptoms following that. Just in general, for people who, um, it's not uncommon for people to experience a little bit of bleeding on occasion, um, and so they may have uh, transient or temporary bleeding, something that happens for a few days and goes away. Other people who, you know, tend to spend too long on the on the commode um, can basically have them get enlarged and, and lead to symptoms that way. So, are they necessarily inevitable? Or are there things um, that we need to be doing to prevent them? So the the biggest issues that I uh, deal with for people are people that ends up, end up with significant constipation who spend a lot of time straining on the toilet. Um, and those are the ones that tend to both develop the enlarged external hemorrhoids as well as the, the bleeding from the internal hemorrhoids. And so generally what I recommend for people is to try to limit their time on the commode. Um, Generally, with the with an American diet, we don't get enough fiber. We just eat too much processed food. And so if we get more fiber in our diet, our stools will be softer and easier to pass, and we don't have to spend as much time sitting on the commode. So those are the, the primary things that we recommend for people to deal with. So, so you mentioned um, the bleeding that might happen um, sporadically or whatever. Correct. Um, is that always sort of an indication of hemorrhoids, or is there uh, any reason to think it could be something else? Well, this is something that actually commonly happens with uh, uh, patients that get referred to me. Just because everybody, you know, when they experience some type of symptom down there, essentially will attribute it to hemorrhoids. There are a lot of other conditions that, that I see um, that can cause people problems as far as pain. Um, we can see people with uh, infections. We can see people with uh, tears in the skin and the anal canal that can cause severe pain. Um, there can be tumors down there as well. Um, other things that we can see that can cause bleeding, um, one we always worry about to, that we have to rule out when we see people over a certain age would be concern about either precancerous lesions in the colon or even cancers in the colon. And sometimes based on the, the symptoms of the person and their age, we may, may actually even recommend that they get evaluated with a colonoscopy in order to make sure that it's not something more nefarious, more dangerous before we attribute to something benign like the hemorrhoids. 
Um, so hemorrhoids are benign. Do they? Is there any connection between hemorrhoids and colon cancer? No, or there's no, not. No. Okay, so totally unrelated. Correct. Um, are hemorrhoids a problem if um, they're not causing you problems? So, short answer on that is no. Um, I mean, I've, I'll have people that get referred to me um, by their doctors who may have really big hemorrhoids, either on the inside or, now, or the outside. And really, my job is to treat people based on their symptoms. If their symptoms indicate that it's a problem to them, then it's something that I address. But somebody can have very large hemorrhoids, either on the inside or the outside, that if they're not really bothering them, then it's hard to beat being asymptomatic. So for those people, even if, it, even if they're unsightly to a physician, they're, if they're not bothering the person, they don't bother me at all. Okay. Do, um, is there a time, I mean, how would a person know if they need to seek medical care? Is it just if they're uh, dealing with a lot of bleeding or if, if uncomfort, uncomfortable? Uh, yeah, certainly. All, all those things, really. If, I mean, if somebody has persistent bleeding, um, it, in that type of a situation, we may say, yes, it may be your hemorrhoids. But for people that have that type of a problem, it kind of passes beyond that point of just being able to, um, you know, benignly, benignly neglect something and, you know, say, okay, this has been going on for a while. Maybe we do need to get something evaluated. And, you know, once... Once we do evaluate somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that treatment has to be done. There is, to a large degree, a sense of comfort for some people in just knowing what's going on, ruling out that there's nothing else that could be causing the issues. And then we have a frank discussion of what can you expect if you were to have something done for it as far as the, the treatment course, the discomfort and whatnot, versus if we just left it alone. And then um, people can make a decision at that point if we truly think it's something benign that, uh, um, that we wouldn't necessarily have to do anything if they really don't want to. Um, do you ever see hemorrhoid emergencies? Um, urgent issues. Emergency uh, is kind of a loose term, but I mean, we see people that have, um, say, they get a uh, they they break open one of those blood vessels and they bleed under the surface of the skin, what we call a thrombosed hemorrhoid. And in that situation, people may experience a hard lump that comes up over the course of a day or so. That's very painful. Doesn't push back up on the inside because it's not because it doesn't want to be up on the inside, um, but it tends to cause people pretty severe pain. Um, and that's something that people um, will relatively urgently bring to the, the attention of their healthcare provider. And, and typically we try to get those people seen and evaluated. Most commonly, that's something that we can treat in the office if, if possible. Um, on occasion, we have to take people to the operating room for it, just depending on the severity. But often okay. it's just an office procedure. Well, I want to ask you about home remedies, but first, let me remind our listeners, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with colon and rectal surgeon, Dr. Jeffrey Albright. So um, for someone who's got hemorrhoids and knows they have hemorrhoids and they've been assessed for them, mm -hmm. um, and if the, they have maybe like a flare-up, are there sort of home remedies that you recommend? You've already mentioned the importance of fiber in the diet, um, but aside from that, are there other things? So a lot of it depends on the, the degree of symptoms and the type of symptoms that they're experiencing. If it's mostly like external discomfort, um, a lot of people can uh, get reasonable benefit from just doing, you know, topical hydrocortisone cream where there's some creams with some lidocaine or a medication called Premoxine, which is a, um, a kind of a topical anesthetic, kind of a numbing medication that people can put on. They can help out with the external discomfort or the itching or the burning. Um, Often it's just kind of simple hygiene types of things that we recommend. Um, uh, you know, 
keeping the area dry, uh, avoiding um, a lot of excess moisture or drainage on the area. Um, there's, uh, for people that have bleeding, it's really ma mainly trying to keep the stool soft. Um, if, if people need laxatives or something like that to try to get things back under control, that's a, a reasonable thing to do. I mean, those are the, the main simple measures that we recommend for people at home. But it's also one of these situations where if something it goes on for an extended period of time, we often would say, well... If it's been going on for six or eight weeks and it's not getting any better, it may be a good idea just to get it checked by somebody who, um, you know, deals with symptoms in that area just to make sure that there's nothing more concerning. Okay. Now, um, since uh, hemorrhoids are swollen blood vessels, essentially, do, do things like ibuprofen work to sort of reduce that or not so much? Uh, not so much. Not so much. I mean, uh, the... To a certain degree, once they get enlarged, especially with the external ones, it stretches out the skin. It kind of loses its, it lose, loses its elasticity and uh, um, can just lead to some skin tags back there. And at that point, um, the ibuprofen or things like that, that's not going to really do a whole lot. Um, then it's just a matter of, kind of basically either symptom control or or even surgery if people feel like they're you know symptomatic enough for them for the the biggest thing really is is trying to avoid the main instigating factors which would be straining on the toilet um, sitting there for longer periods of time because the blood vessels tend to engorge stretch everything out and enlarge over the course of time if people are um, spending too much time doing that so can you talk to me about how to remove hemorrhoids is it all done surgically now so we have a number of different techniques we do for it um and when there's multiple different ways to treat something, it means that none of them are, is perfect and none of them are universal. And so um, if people are primarily dealing, dealing with hemorrhoids on the inside, um, if they're just causing bleeding but not really popping out or just popping out and just going back up on their own, then often we'll do office procedures like uh, putting a rubber band on them to basically strangulate a portion of them to keep them up where they're supposed to be. Um, if they are bigger and they come out more frequently or harder to, re to reduce back up onto the inside, then there are surgeries that we do that can we can put stitches up there that'll shrink them down and hold them where they're supposed to be. External ones, we can either limit our removal to just re uh, cutting them out on the outside, or if people, kind of what we, I refer to as the nuclear option, if people have really big hemorrhoids, both internally and externally, and there's no other good way of dealing with it, then we do the... Uh, bigger operation, which it also tends to be the most painful operation for people with this. And so if anybody's, you know, uncles or grandparents talked about this horrible hemorrhoid operation that they had 20 years ago, that's probably what they had. Um, I try to be a lot more selective in the way that I treat people to just make sure I'm doing the, doing the right operation, not over-treating them and causing them too much pain um, for something that may get by with a, a lesser operation. So, so um, if you do like a rubber band, rubber band thing or, or the injection, um, if that doesn't work, you have other, you can try something else too, right? Right. right. We can always scale up based on the, the degree of symptoms and, and what's been successful or not. Yes. Um, what, what's the recurrence rate? It depends on the type of treatment. I mean, that uh, the, the biggest operation, that full hemorrhoidectomy, the recurrence rate's actually very low, probably less than 5 or 10%. For simpler things, that, you know, this, start with the simplest things like just dietary modification. Um, you know, that may take care of somebody's symptoms for a period of time. They may go several months and then have uh, some mild recurrence of symptoms, in which case they go back on it. If they have success, then... Um, you know, as long as we've ruled out the bad things, um, then 
the intermittent uh, occasional problem somebody may experience is not that concerning as long as it gets better on its own with just kind of the mild therapies, things like rubber banding, uh, which is maybe the next step up as far as like uh, treatment for the internal hemorrhoids. has a little bit higher recurrence rate probably, if I had to estimate it, say, um, depending on the severity of the hemorrhoids, it may have a recurrence rate of 20%. For more severe ones, it may have a re- recurrence rate of, you know, 50 to 75%, just depending on, you know, the severity. Um, if a person does nothing, if, if they've got hemorrhoids that are big enough to cause itching and pain and bleeding on occasion, and they do nothing, they don't come to you, um, do the hemorrhoids ever resolve on their own? Do they ever just go away? or? Um, they may become less symptomatic, but because, you know, A, they may be enlarged, B, they may, they, uh, since they're a normal part of our anatomy, they're always going to be there. And so, um, you know, they don't fully go away. It's just really more a question of are they still causing significant symptoms for the person at that time. But again, since they're not really, it's not a precancerous problem, it's not a cancer, it's something that if, as long as the person isn't overly distressed by the symptoms, then, um, you know, they can, keep, they can live they with can them as long as they it. want. Exactly. <laughs> well, lastly, I want to ask you, um, if a person is making an appointment to come and see a colon re- and rectal surgeon, how would you advise them to prepare for that appointment? What sorts of information do they need to come equipped with or what sorts of... Uh, I, I just would, we would want them, of course, to know all of their medical history and the medications they're on, their allergies, what types of treatments that they've had before for it, whether or not they've had um, any type of uh, colonoscopy done to evaluate, um, you know, really anything that they've done to try to make things better. Um, and, you know, since we often do worry about people, that, that small potential for them having a, a cancerous or a precancerous cause for things, you know, knowing what their family history is for things like colon cancer, um, to, to help guide us to um, try to recommend the most appropriate type of management. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. This has been very informative. Um, this, my guest has been Dr. Jeffrey Albright, a colon and rectal surgeon at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.